Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Megan Anderson. She's a former international netballer. She's currently the head coach of the Queensland Firebirds in the ANZ Championship. So for all of my listeners out there that enjoy netball, you guys are going to love today's episode. We dive into a number of different topics, including, I guess, her mindset, her interest in human movement and sports science, um, how she approaches um, you know, professional sport now as a coach compared to when she was a player. You know, We touch on the topic of wrapping your identity around being an athlete or whatever it may be, whatever your, your passion is and, and how that can be a good thing, but it can also be difficult when that, that time finishes up. Um, we also go into a lot of detail around preparation about what Megan thinks uh, are the more important values as an athlete, as a coach, and how to build a really good culture um, within your team. So I know you guys are going to love today's episode. So if you do enjoy it and take some value away, I would love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and share on your story for me on Instagram. Um, I know you guys are going to love the episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Megan. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I was excited to have you on. It's uh, I've actually never had anyone in the in the um, I guess the industry or the field of, of netball um, so far. Not for any not for any reason uh, in particular, but uh, I was excited to do this one and give the audience um, some different perspective or insight into into the sport. And then also just um, you know, obviously we have a lot of professional athletes and and successful people on the show. Um, and there always seems to be a bit of a common theme. Um, I guess the saying, you know, success leaves clues. It, it tends to be regardless of what industry or field people are in. Um, seems to be a lot of similarity. So it'd be interesting to, to see what comes up today. But the first thing I, I wanted to bring up um, to start us off is coming up as a junior, um, working your way into the professional ranks as a netballer. Was that something that you always wanted to do? Was that, you know, right from, from an early age, you had your, your sights set on becoming a professional netballer? No, it was um, a bit strange because I was from um, the New South Wales Central Coast. So that's like an hour north of Sydney. And I really didn't know what professional netball was when I was younger. And I think the first time I actually tried out for a team was when I was 15 and that was the same year that um, I think it was Commonwealth Games in maybe 1990 and it was in Sydney and so I watched that on TV and I tried out for my first um, state school's um, representative team and that was kind of when it all started. But I'd played um, in the local rep teams but I was from Woi Woi so pretty much everybody who tried out got in. So (laughs) it wasn't massive and I didn't know... Um, yeah, I just didn't know about netball outside of my little area at that point. So it was a, a little bit late starting for me, but then once I was, once I got a little taste and that was it, it was all over. How are, how many people, um, roughly in, in, in the town you grew up in? Well, I don't even know. Um, there wouldn't be many. Maybe Not like many. 4, yeah. Like my parents, oh, right. there. my parents moved there just as I was born and it was basically like a new town. Um, okay the town when they built their houses so it was really new and the freeway wasn't even there leading up to it <laughs> yeah so it used to take hours to get there from sydney but yeah very small town i uh i grew up in horsham in country victoria i don't know if you have any real idea of uh 
the uh, Victoria. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe not as small as where you grew up, but very, very similar vibe. Like the whole, the whole town, um, regardless of whether you have any aspiration of going to play um, professional sport or whatever at, at a later age, it's like almost everybody ends up playing either football or netball. Um, yeah. And uh, it's very different from, from the city. So I moved here straight after year 12 for basketball, actually. Um, so when you moved out of town uh, and, and kind of, well, I, I'm assuming you eventually moved to Sydney. Um, what, what age were you when you, when you left? Um, I travel. I travelled a bit. So I was going to uni in Sydney and playing netball yep. in Sydney but still living at home. So it wasn't until I was about 24 that I, um, when I finished uni and, um, and started playing properly and really devoting a lot of time to it. So, yeah, it was a bit... Um, a little bit older and um, traveling pretty much like three or four times a week from yeah. where I lived into town and doing study on trains and all that sort of stuff. So it was pretty full on, but you know, like you love your sport, so you just you do whatever you can to make it work. Don't you? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market market in a way did you find that having to juggle or multitask all those things and and try and do them all at at such a high level that almost prepared you I guess for when you stepped into the professional ranks and all of a sudden you do have to to make sure that you're ticking all the boxes and you know you do have the the travel involved you have the um the stuff outside of the sport as well but um I guess the preparation is such a big thing and that was one of the things I wanted to to bring up in, in our chat so did you find that almost like how to prepare for, for what it was going to be like once you did become a pro? Yeah, probably. Um, I think I've always been a pretty organised person and I'm not one that likes to sit still. So I do as much as I can to cram into my day so that I don't have to sit down and um, yeah. not do anything. So, um, yeah, but definitely being organised um, helped. And um, netball probably was only semi-professional when I started. So, mm-hmm. You know, you always thought you had to do study to prepare yourself for life after netball or life while you were doing netball. Um, so that helped as well because I didn't just get the free path. So, yeah, netball's now my job. I don't have to do anything else. So, but, yeah, definitely, um, you know, having to do training sessions in lunch hour when I worked and um, travel on the trains and get study done late at night and all that sort of stuff definitely helped you, helped prepare you for um, being busy and, and having to um, please or, you know, tick lots of boxes in lots of areas of your life and not just concentrate on yourself. Yeah. Uh, now, I believe you've got a, a bit of an interest in or a big interest in um, human movement and sports science. Is that correct? Yeah. So I did a um, sports science degree because I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I yep. knew that I wanted to be in sport. And so I thought that's the best thing to do. Um, yeah. And I just love all things sport and health and fitness and yeah outdoors anything anything to do with sport I love how early in your career um did you get involved in like resistance and strength training and and then fast forward to now like how important is that for a netball athlete and is that is it a big part of the um professional culture the strength and conditioning side of things yeah I think we were really lucky because when I was playing at the Swifts in Sydney um we had the same trainer as the Sydney Swans and so they were really obviously really big into 
um, strength and conditioning. So, um, yeah, we did probably three days a week of um, strength and conditioning and, um, yeah, it was something that I really loved and it wasn't until um, that I finished and I had kids and then trying to get back into exercise and I realised that, you know, my whole body hurt, my back hurt, my hips would hurt and my knees would hurt because I hadn't been in the gym for a year and a half. So um, I really missed it. And so getting back into that, you realise the importance of it. But these days the girls are so strong, like I can keep up with them fitness-wise now if I train with them, but they're just so strong and powerful because they're just in the gym all the time and um, it just makes them so explosive on the court and um, really helps them prevent their injuries as well. For, for the listeners that um, maybe don't have as much of an understanding, like what are the 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 most important um i guess components of the strength training in terms of like what areas are you really trying to develop and build up um for the netball athletes is it power and strength through the hammies and glutes is it a lot of agility work obviously there's heaps of change of direction and stop starting and stuff like that so what are the main areas that the girls work on um in their sessions yeah it's a bit of everything so obviously they would just start off with a bit of a base um type program to rebuild them after the off season. But um, a lot of the stuff in season is lots of power and explosive stuff and, and building up the hemis and the glutes to um, give them that stability um, in the lower, um, in their lower body. But um, they do a lot of rotational work, um, upper body, because um, when you're catching the ball like on extension and in the air and getting hit from behind and mm. twisting it, a little bit like AFL really. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's quite a similar sport. Um, I think, um, but yeah, lots of rotational stuff and um, just really explosive and making sure that they're super speedy on the court, but also really strong so they can take the hits as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. On the flip side of that, um, completely opposite to that actually, but I think everyone tuned in at the moment um, at some point in their life, obviously has gone through some form of adversity. And if I haven't, then definitely in the last 18 to 24 months, um, they definitely have. As a as an athlete, like whether it be an injury or whether it be a big loss or, you know, um, losing a game you expected to win or a grand final series, whatever it may be, what, uh, what's your process of, of dealing with that adversity and then, and then turning it into a positive or like how, how do you um, as an individual, whether it be as player or coach, um, deal with that adversity and then make something or bring something good out of it? Yeah, I think as a, as a player, um, I've had plenty of adversity lost games and didn't make teams and um the whole time I was in the Australian team I was in and out of it the whole time it was never smooth sailing so I was was always just focusing on what's next and what can I do Mm. to improve myself um I think the one thing that I probably could have done better as a player was just to see the whole um my whole life as a big broad view at more holistic when I was a player like I was really focused on okay I need to get fitter I need to do this I need to do that um, and it kind of narrowed my focus and made me a little bit too, um, I suppose, obsessed with um, yeah. the netball, whereas now that, you know, I think I'm older and I've had kids and, you know, I've done, you know, netball isn't everything anymore. So mm-hmm. it's made me a little bit um, have a bit of a more holistic view over things. But I think um, when, you, when you do have a setback, I mean, you've just got to realise that it, it happens and you can't, you know, as long as you've put in everything that you could put into it and you can't change the result, then you can't change the result. So there's no point obsessing over it, but just, yeah. you know, setting and 
um, reviewing it really thoroughly and making sure that you are doing everything that you can. Okay, what can I do next time to make it better? But yeah, there's really no point obsessing over it because um, you can't change it anyway. Yeah, and you mentioned obviously that that um, that laser focus and the dedication to to the specific goal that you had as a player, which is obviously um, to win and to be the best player you can possibly be and and be as fit as possible and whatnot. Um, athletes tend to. I guess, wrap their whole identity around their sport. And this is not just as an athlete, like this could be anyone listening, whether it be their job or their relationship mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. You tend to just identify yourself only with that one thing. And then if, if, the, if that goes away or if you lose that, all of a sudden you almost don't even know who you are and you feel like people don't want anything to do with you unless you're doing that one thing. Obviously, you've um, stepped into the role as the, the Firebirds coach now, so you're still in the sport. But when you finish up your career as a player, is that something that you struggled with? Um, do you think like all of a sudden that the main thing that you focus on for so long is now gone and then or it, did it almost feel like there was a bit of like something missing like an empty, yeah. empty hole yeah, there? Yeah, there was a bit of a void for a while and I didn't and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I did a um, post-grad in business because I thought I wanted to get into the business side of um, sport somehow but yeah, I just I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just took a, um, you know, took a job in a um, private school in the sports department and just kind of chugged along for a while. And you see, um, you know, I saw my friends being commentators for netball and others being coaches and others doing other stuff. And, you, yeah, you do feel a bit, a little bit lost for a while. But I think um, it does give you time to reflect on what you what you've achieved and what you really want to do and focus on other things in your life. So I think rather than thinking back and thinking about what you have done and um, not knowing where to go, just be present in the moment and Mm. appreciate what you have right now and then other opportunities will usually pop up, I think, when you're really open to it. Being present and, and, and having gratitude and stuff like that is, is the whole mindfulness and and gratitude side of things. Is that something that, um, that you've adapt, adopted for a long period of time or is that something that's been relatively new to you? Obviously, I talk a lot about this on the show and, and we've had some really good guests on on the show who, who go into the whole world of mindfulness and personal development and stuff like that. And I think it's super important, not only for athletes, just for, for everyone in general. Is that something that you put a lot of attention towards? Like, do you have a, a, a daily or morning routine you like to follow? Do you meditate or anything like that? Or um, do you have any form of practices that you like to do on a day-to-day basis? Um, no, I don't actually, but it's definitely something that um, I'm keen to look into. I don't have I don't have a, a set routine every day, and it's probably something that um, that is missing from what I do at the moment. Um, I tend to just use my exercise as a bit of a mindfulness time for me, and just to switch off and let my mind forget about things and. Um, release all the tension and stuff but uh, um, yeah it's something that I have explored over the over the last few years just in terms of being able to sit quietly at at some point during the day wherever I am and um, and take some time out for myself but yeah it's not something that I've actually um, yeah studied or got into a good routine with yeah as a as a obviously playing um, for the international like playing international um, netball with the with the Australian team and then um, I guess state or club national level here as well. What do you, what have you found are, um, are some of the most important I guess values um, as a team that are that are great for the culture? Like I would I think it's it's super important regardless of whether it's a workplace or a team or 
um, whatever, even relationships or whatever, to have a, a really good culture and have be really clear on what the values are. Is that, um, you know, over, over the years as a player and now as a coach, is that something that you've put importance on? And, and is there any um, values, I guess, that stick out to you that, um, that are, I guess, essential for a successful team? Yeah, look, I think um, I think honesty is my most favoured um, value because I just think um, nothing can exist properly without honesty. So, um, you know, sometimes obviously you have to be a little bit, um, yeah, not so forthright in your honesty, but making sure that you're always being honest with the teammates around you. And, um, and the other thing is just doing everything for the team. So... In netball especially, you can't, it's not like basketball, you can take over and um, dribble yourself. You, you actually need teammates to play well. So yeah. knowing the big picture of whether you want to make the diamonds or you want to win the game or you want to actually perform well, you have to make everyone around you look good as well. So making sure that um, everything you do is, is for the rest of the team. Um, I think that's that's probably the main thing for netball. But, yeah, honesty is my big thing as a coach especially. Yeah. Um, and I think that probably came from having coaches that weren't that honest with me and it was something that, you know, I just wanted to know um, know what I can do to be better yeah. or what I can do to get on the court. And so that's something that I've definitely taken into my coaching role, that trying to be always honest with the athletes so they know where they stand. Yeah. And their purpose and identity within the team. I guess second to that or with that, I guess, comes um, communication as well, I would, I would have thought. Like, um, as a coach, have you have you realised now or have you found now um, the importance of communication more so than when you were a player or were you always someone that was um, was big on communication with teammates and, and coaches as well? Yeah, um, I probably um, sat on things that were bothering me a little bit as, a, um, as an athlete and I think just because you're um, a little bit, you know, scared to go talk to the coach sometimes. So I try and make myself be really approachable as a coach. And I think what I've learned over the last year is that um, remembering that the athletes can be a bit scared to come and talk to you because they yeah. think it their chances. But um, when you do talk to them and trying to get them to open up, give them time to speak, not, um, you know, continually speaking and putting words in their mouth so that then they do have the chance to open up. But, yeah, trying to build those relationships so that they feel free just to come and, talk to you about anything can get things out in the open because there's mm. no point stewing on things that's for sure did you always play um for like a coach who had been a, had previously been a player uh yeah mostly my first um coach at the swifts she played but not at a high level but then yep. uh, most of my other coaches had played to a fairly high level yeah is there anything that you I guess wish you had have known, or I don't know. Wish I don't know if that's the right way to put it. But is there anything that you wish you had have known or, or or done now as a athlete? Now that you've been in the opposite side of it as a coach and seen it from a different perspective. Yeah, I think um, I think what you were talking about before in terms of um, you know attaching your identity to netball, and I think um, it's a really hard thing to not mm. do. And I think that's something that would have made me a, a more well-rounded player and. And probably more relaxed when I was playing and um, and not so focused on little details and getting caught up on things. So um, I'm not sure how to teach that or how to instill that belief in players, but that's something that I would definitely try and do better if I went back again. Yeah, 100%. 
I mean, there's, I'm assuming that I'm, I'm hoping anyway, that there'd be a, a fair few girls listening at the moment that, um, that do play netball. Like I said, I'm you know, coming from a country town. It's extremely common that literally almost everyone um, plays netball mm-hmm. at some point in time um, in their junior career. Like for anyone listening that is, um, that does, does have the aspiration to, to make it professionally or just play at a high level, whether it's with the national team or, or just um, at a state level, whatever it may be. What's, um, what's your, what's your advice? Is there, is there a certain pathway that you'd recommend? Is there, um, yeah, do you have any advice for anyone listening to, to give themselves the best opportunity to make it at the highest level? Um, I think um, there's so many pathways for netball these days. So I don't think um, that there's any one right way. And I, um, you know, everybody develops differently. So I think netball's a good game because you don't, you don't have to be tall. You can be shorter. Um, if you've got good skills, then that's a good thing as well. But, you know, like people develop at all different ages. We have people that, you know, start playing at 15 and don't make their, we've got a girl in our team at the moment that comes from, um, Yarram in Victoria and she didn't start playing till she was 15 or 16 and right. um, you know she's 24 now and last year was her first year in the Firebird squad so she developed quite late compared to other people but she's here now and she's in the Australian development team so I think the main thing is just to keep trying and improving yourself and if you're getting, um, you know, sometimes if you're getting stale at a um, club that you're at, change clubs. If you like a coach at another club or, you know, just keep sparking up your learning so that you're continually improving and not not plateauing, I think. But the most thing would just be to have fun and play because you love it and wherever that takes you, it takes you. And um, I, I think try to have, have that broad view of it, like you do it because you love it if it takes you where where the aspirations go then so be it but sometimes it doesn't and you know that's just life isn't it 100% I love that that's a uh, great advice and also a great way to uh, to, to wrap up our, our chat I want to be super mindful of your time so uh, Megan thanks so much for for joining us today um, I'd love to to chat to you to longer we might have to do another one at, at some point and um, and do a part two but I do really appreciate your time today I know you're super busy um, so thank you very much and um, obviously good luck with uh, with everything moving forward and I wish you all the, all the success and um, yeah, again, hope, hopefully we can get you back on at some point. Yeah, next year in the preseason, we'll um, show you some of the girls in the gym. Yes, that'd be good. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, guys. Well, everyone who's tuned into today's episode, um, we'd love for you to take a screenshot of this of this uh, episode today, post up an Instagram story, tag myself, tag Megan, make sure you get around the Firebirds and, um, and share this episode with your friends. And Megan, I'll chat to you again soon. Thank you very much. 